Well, how many of you believe that this morning? He's going to send revival all over this land. The Bible's promised us that. We started last Sunday in our series on the last day events, the things that are coming on this earth. And part of that was the fact of all the negative things that's going to happen. But do you remember what the last point on that was Sunday night? Along with all the negative things that's going to happen, God's going to do something special and powerful. He's going to get everybody ready that needs to get ready. He's going to put the finishing touches on everything he's been doing. And I can promise you, God is up to something even in these last days. What a wonderful and marvelous thing that is to know. We ought to be rejoicing in that today. We ought to be glad today to know that we're serving such an awesome and such a powerful God and one that loves us and cares about us in the way that he does. Good to see you in the house of the Lord this morning. What a wonderful Sunday morning. A little cloudy on the outside, but how many of you know the sun can be shining on the inside? You can be just as cloudy and messy outside as it wants to be, but that shouldn't stop us from enjoying the presence of the Lord, enjoying His goodness and His mercy and His grace. And I trust that you've come with that kind of spirit and that kind of attitude in you this morning. God is indeed doing a great and wonderful thing in the midst of His people. And I just believe that He is going to continue to do that. We're glad to see you, especially those of you that might be visiting with us. We extend to you a very warm and hearty welcome. If you're our special guest today, we honor you and just so glad that you're here. Please remember, if you are a guest, to go by our table out here uh, to my left as you go out. I think they have a little special gift for you out there and some things they'd like to say to you. So if you are our first time visitor here with us, please go out there and take care of that as you prepare uh, to leave this morning. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, if you will, for the reading of God's Word this morning. And I want you to turn your Bibles, turn in your Bibles to the first chapter of the book of Acts. And I'm going to read one verse in your hearing. I wrestle just a little bit with what to do this morning. Uh, we started last Sunday the series on the end time events. And there's quite a few messages in that series. And I feel a certain uh, unction to go ahead and try to get through all of them that I possibly can. But today is Pentecost Sunday. And how many of you know Pentecost is an important subject? We're going we're to talk about that in a minute. And I just could not get away from the fact that I ought to break away from the series this morning. We'll get back into it tonight. So be back this evening and we'll pick right back up with the series of end time events and uh, the, the series that we're doing there. But I felt like this morning we ought to take this time and talk about this great and marvelous and wonderful thing that we call Pentecost. After all, we're a Pentecostal church. We ought to act like it. We ought to celebrate it. We ought to be glad about it. How many of you are glad you're Pentecostal this morning? Amen. Well, the rest of you that couldn't say that, I hope you will be before the day's over. I hope the Lord will do a Pentecostal thing in you and that the Lord will just bless your heart real, real good. Acts chapter 1, let me read verse 8 in your hearing, just the one verse. I'm going to refer to several of the things that Jesus said here in these opening verses, but let's just cut to the very heart of it 
uh, here in verse 8. This is Jesus talking now. Whenever How many of you know when Jesus talks, you ought to really listen? How many of you know when he's saying something, you ought to really pay attention to what he's saying? Jesus says here, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And I want you to notice especially that statement, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And I want to talk to you for a little while this morning about the power of Pentecost. The power of Pentecost. Father, we thank you today for the privilege that we have of celebrating this great and marvelous experience that you sent upon your people and sent to your church nearly 2,000 years ago. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you for the person and the power and the work of the Holy Spirit still in this world today. Father, we have sensed his presence already here in this service this morning. And I pray that as your word now goes forth, that that sweet Holy Spirit will walk up and down the avenues of men's hearts in these next few minutes. I pray that he will manifest himself in a very marvelous and wonderful way in the heart and the mind and the spirit and the life of every person gathered here in this place today. Father, we bless your name. We worship you this morning. We just pray that in these next few minutes, your spirit and your presence and your power will do a great and marvelous thing in the midst of your people. And we'll be careful to praise you for what you do. For we ask it in the wonderful name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. If you were to ask me this morning to summarize for you on this Pentecost Sunday, if you were to ask me to summarize in one word what Pentecost and the baptism of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, whichever you want to use, what it's all about. If you were to ask me to define that in one word, if you were to say to me, Pastor, what, what is this Pentecostal thing? What is the baptism of the Holy Ghost? What, what is this, this Pentecostal thing all about? Could you give it to me in just one word? I would use the same word that Jesus used nearly 2,000 years ago. And I would simply say to you that at its heart, at its very core, this Pentecostal blessing... This Pentecostal thing that we talk about, it is all about power. It is all about power. Jesus said to his disciples, if you read all of these earlier verses in this first chapter, you remember that Jesus is getting ready to leave this earth. He's getting ready to ascend back to heaven. But before he does, he says to his disciples up in verse 4, he says, I want you to tarry here in Jerusalem. I do not want you to leave Jerusalem until you receive the promise of my Father. Don't you leave this city. 
Don't you leave this place until you have received the promise of my Father. And then in verse 5, he goes on to tell them what that promise is. He says to them, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You're going to be baptized by my Spirit. And when that baptism comes, look in verse 8, here's the key, here's the heart of it. When that baptism comes, you're going to receive a supernatural endowment of power. You're going to receive a special endowment of power at the heart of what you're going to receive. At the heart of what you're about to experience is power. You're going to receive power. Now I want you to notice something here. Please don't jump to any conclusions when I start saying this. I want you to notice he doesn't talk about tongues as important as they are. They were part of it. But he doesn't talk about tongues. He doesn't say, now don't leave here, you're going to receive tongues. That's not what he said. He didn't talk about dancing. Though I'm sure they danced. They must have had a time. The whole city thought they was drunk. <laughs> they, 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 they must have been doing something. The whole city thought they was purely drunk at about nine o'clock or so in the morning. But Jesus didn't say anything about tongues. Didn't say anything about dancing. Didn't say anything about singing in the spirit. He didn't say anything about praying in the spirit. He didn't say anything about prophesying. He didn't say anything about the gifts of the Spirit. Though I can preach sermons on every one of them. Because every one of them ultimately as the Bible unfolds what this Pentecostal experience is about. All of those things are involved in the Pentecostal experience. When you are baptized in the Holy Ghost, you're going to speak in tongues. When you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, there's going to be times you're going to feel like dancing. There's going to be times you're going to sing in the Spirit. There's going to be times you're going to pray in the Spirit. There are times when all of these things, prophesying, the gifts of the Spirit, all of those things are a part of Pentecost. But none of them are the main thing about Pentecost. I want you to get that because there are some people that try to make those things the central part of Pentecost. There are some people that that, that's what they want to constantly focus on. But when they do, to me, they're missing the whole point. Jesus said, you shall receive power. (laughs) I just feel something when I say that word. You shall receive power. When the Holy Ghost has come upon you. This experience that you're going to receive at its heart, at its central core, this Pentecostal experience is about power. Now, before we describe that power, I want you to understand another thing. I want you to understand, first of all, that Pentecost is primarily about power, not about any of these other things, though they're important, and I can preach a sermon on every one of them. But I also want you to understand, before we describe the power, I want you to notice that this Pentecostal power that he talks about here 
is not a spiritual luxury. It is not something extra that you pick up along the way. Now, I really want to emphasize that. I want you to understand that this Pentecostal experience is not something that if you want to fully walk in what God has for you, if you want to fully enter into all that he has for you, then this Pentecostal experience is not a luxury. It's not a, an extra handbag to carry with you when you're all dressed up. Okay? It's not a luxury. It's not an extra. I want you to understand that it is an absolute necessity if you want to be and do and accomplish everything that God wants you to accomplish, this Pentecostal experience is a necessity. How do you get that preacher? Well, listen to Jesus. What did he say to his disciples? He said, don't you leave this city until you have what I'm talking about. What have I said to you today? I've got the usher's position. I've got security position. And you ain't getting out of here till you get Pentecost. <laughs> I heard one say, oh my Lord. It ain't that bad, Joe. Just hold up. What if I tell you, do, do you understand in essence that's almost what Jesus was saying? He was saying, don't you leave this city. I've given you a work to do. I, I, I've told you I'm sending you forth. I've told you all the things I want you to accomplish. But before you even go try it, don't you leave this city until you have what I'm talking about. Now, I don't know about you, but when I look at that and think about it, it tells me that this Pentecostal thing is not a luxury. It's not some extra something. It's something you need. It's something you're supposed to have. It's something he intends for every one of his children and every one of his disciples. It's something he intends for us to have. I think what Jesus is saying here, listen to this. I think he's saying... It's just as important in one sense that you visit the upper room as it was that you visit Calvary to get saved. I think, I think in one sense he's saying, now we know that salvation is the beginning, it's the foundation, it's the ultimate of it all. But I think in one sense he's saying it's just as important that you visit the upper room as it is that you visit Calvary. The, the point I'm trying to make you see and the point I think Jesus made is this isn't some optional thing you can just pick up along the way. It's not, it is a total necessity if you're going to get and receive and do everything I want you to do. Pentecost is a necessity. And may I say to you, I think that is everything I preached last Sunday. In light of the days we're living in, in light of the last days, in light of those eight words that Jesus used that we broke down for you last Sunday in the two messages, in light of what you're facing in these last days, it is even more important that you understand how much you need the power of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> How much you need the power that Jesus is talking about here. 
He said, don't you leave this city. I want you to understand. Let me just make the point again. I'll go on. I just want you to understand this isn't just some luxury. It's not just some little tag along. Jesus said to his disciples, you need what I'm about to tell you about. You need it. Now, let's look at it. What are we talking about? When we say Pentecost is about power, what are we talking about? What kind of power is this? Well, I believe I can give it to you in three words. I believe I can give it to you in three words. First of all, Pentecost is the power to do. It is the power to do. It is the power to do the things he has called us to do. Do you understand that as, as his child, as a Christian, that he has called you now as a part of his church, as a part of his body, as one of his disciples, he's called you to do something. Do you understand that? I, I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't know when I have felt more of a burden for people to understand what I'm trying to preach. Because somehow I, I get the feeling the longer I've lived and the more I've done it and the more I've watched it, that, that, that you pour your heart out. You, and it's like people walk out the door and three days later you wonder, did they get any of it? Did, did they understand it? I've just had such a burden these last few months. I want you to understand. Do you understand that in order for you to do what he's called you to do and wants you to do, you must have the power of Pentecost. You can't do it by yourself. You can't do it in your own strength. But thank God he hadn't asked you to. <laughs> he says, if you'll visit the upper room, I'll give you what you do to him. I'll give you what you need to empower you to do what I want you to do. Pentecost is the place where we get the power to do. We cannot do in the flesh what he's given us to do. We need supernatural power. We need supernatural power to overcome the powers of evil, the powers of darkness. Do you understand? You're no match for the power of darkness by yourself. I don't know about you, but uh, please don't misunderstand. I'm not afraid of the devil. But one of the reasons I'm not is because I got the power. <laughs> I know the one that's got the power. You are no match for the enemy. You're no match for the darkness. You're no match for what we're facing these days by yourself. You need somebody to help you do the things that you need to do. If we're going to impact our world, we're going to have to have the power of Pentecost if we're going to impact our world. Look at it this way. If anybody in this world you would think was prepared to carry on the work of God's kingdom, wouldn't you think it would have been the disciples? I mean, here's 12 men, well, 11 after Judas hanged himself and just before Jesus left, they're down to 11. But here's 11 men that for three and a half years have walked with Jesus. He's taught them. He, they, they've seen him do miracles, cast out devils. They've seen him raise the dead. Don't you think if there's anybody 
that would have been equipped to go out and do the work of the kingdom, it would have been them. And yet, I mean, they've been trained and mentored by Jesus. And yet he says to them, you lack one thing. In spite of all you've seen me do, in spite of all my mentoring of you, in spite of all my teaching, in spite of all my preparation, you lack one thing and don't you leave Jerusalem till you get it. <laughs> you need one thing. Now, if they couldn't go do what they needed to do without it, what makes you think me and you can? We've never been mentored by Jesus. I've never seen him face to face. I've never watched him raise the dead. I've never watched Jesus walk up to a crippled man and say, get up, son, walk, go, walk home. I've never seen that. I, I have seen miracles, but I've never seen Jesus. I've never seen him in the context those disciples saw him in. And so if he said to them, you can't do what I need you to do till you get this power, how much more is that true of me and you? We can't do what we need to do. Folks, it's time the church starts doing what they're supposed to do in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit so desperately. Because we can't do what we need to do without Him. Anybody should have been able to do it. If anybody, it should have been those men. But He said to them, you lack one thing. Do you understand that what we need to do is beyond our ability? It's beyond my ability to do what I need to do sometimes. I can't do it. You don't know how many times, well, I don't know how many times in a week and how many times uh, getting prepared for a service like this. I have to say to the Lord, Lord, if you don't anoint me, if you don't help me, I got the outline, I got some material, I got some good thoughts. But if you don't anoint what's done, it ain't gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. If I don't feel that anointing, if I don't feel <laughs> what I'm feeling right now, if I don't feel some of that, you have the best of anything, best outline, the best whatever, the best program, the best anything. But if you don't have this power, you're not going to be, we can't do in our ability. Look at the lame man in Acts chapter three. That lame man in Acts chapter three, Peter and them did their first miracle after Pentecost. Told that lame man, man, get up and walk. Silver and gold have I none, but in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. You remember that man went with them into the temple shouting and dancing and twirling and a carrying on? And you remember what Peter said to those who, when that religious crowd started asking him about all of it? You remember what he said? He said, why do you look on us as though by our holiness or power we made this man to walk? I love that. Peter said to them, why are you looking to us as if, as if we made this happen? We didn't make this. This was beyond our ability. Well, then Peter, how'd you do it? I'll tell you how. We've been to the upper room. <laughs> I'll tell you how we can now say to the crippled man like Jesus did, get up and walk. It's because we've been to the upper room. 
Now they couldn't have done that before. They couldn't have done it before. Jesus did let them do it for a little while because he sent the power with them when he sent them out on that first missionary tour. They, they did some of it then, but otherwise they couldn't do that on their own. They had to have, Peter said, why do you look on us? This was done, he said, by supernatural power. How many of you know there's some things he wants us to do that can only be done by supernatural power? And that's why Pentecost is so important. That's what Pentecostal power is all about. It is power to do the things he wants us to do. You know what I'm convinced of? If we were more full of this power and walked in this power, I'm convinced we'd be seeing 10 times the miracles we're seeing. I'm convinced we could walk up to people in wheelchairs and people that are crippled. We, and we could say in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. If we were as full of the power as they were. Pentecostal power is power to do. He wants, listen church, what I'm telling you, and I'm going to get off this one. He wants to fill us with the power that will enable us to do the things he wants us to do. That's what he wants to, that's what Pentecost is all about. Number two, Pentecost is also the power to be. It's not only the power to do, it's the power to be. Jesus said, watch this, you will receive this power and look at, look, look, look at what he said. He said, and you will be. He talked about being before doing. He said, and you will be my witnesses. You're supposed to be something because of this Pentecostal power. Jesus said you will be my witnesses. How many of you know that this Pentecostal power though goes beyond even witnessing? He said you'll be my witness but it goes beyond just being a witness. It, the, the, the key word there is be. You will be. Pentecostal power is a personal experience that's not just about doing, it's also about being. In other words, he's designed us as his children to be something. He's designed us to do things. He's called us to do things. But he's also called us, first of all, to be something. And Pentecostal power enables you to be what he wants you to be. Do you know what the greatest work of the Holy Spirit is? As I said at the outset, it's not tongues, it's not miracles, it's not, it's not all these other things. You know what the greatest, the greatest work of the Holy Spirit is? Paul tells us in Romans 8, 29, it is, it is to conform me and you to the image of Christ. Pentecost is about him conforming us to the image of Christ. I want to ask you a question this morning. How much, if you put the life of Christ and maybe a list of all his qualities and characteristics and, and then you put your name over here on this side of the paper, how much like him are you? How much like him are you? Paul said he's come... Paul said he wants to conform us 
He wants to conform you and me to the image of Jesus. He wants, he wants, he wants us, if you put our pictures up together, to look exactly alike. How much do you look like Jesus? When folks do something to you to tick you off, how much do you look like Jesus? You're not shouting as good as I'm preaching. When, 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 when things go wrong and you don't get your way and you don't get what you want, how, how much do you act like Jesus? I better get off that. I'm going to ruin this message. But you, you, you understand my point? Pentecostal power is about the power to be. Not just to do the things that we can't do on our own, though it is that. It's the power to do. But it's also the power to be. His greatest work is, watch this, his greatest work is not what he does through you, it's what he does in you. I'll say that one more time. His greatest work is not what he does through you, it's what he does in you. Because Jesus said, I want you to be. I want you to get this power. And I want you to be somebody. I want you to be something that I want you to be. I want you to be that. Remember, watch this one. Watch this statement. Remember, ministry is secondary to maturity. Ministry is secondary to maturity. Before you are doing the things he wants you to do, he needs you to be what you ought to be. He needs you to be what you ought to be. Your ministry is secondary to your maturity. Are you this morning being what he... In other words, he's more interested in what you are becoming than he is in what you're doing. And that, and that doesn't diminish the importance of doing. The first part of my message was about it. But he's more important in what you are becoming and being than he is in what you're doing. He's more, if you had to prioritize those two, he's more interested first in what you're being than in what you are doing. That's the power of Pentecost. It's power to do and it's power to be. Look at it. Look at the difference. These disciples, after Pentecost, look, look at the before and after picture. Before Pentecost, what do we see them doing? After Jesus' crucifixion, what do we see the disciples doing? They're hiding in fear. The Bible says they're behind locked doors. Afraid that the same crowd's going to come after them and crucify them. They're behind locked doors, scared to death. But after Pentecost, after Pentecost, they drag them in before the Sanhedrin. They drag them in before the same crowd that crucified Jesus. They said, don't you open your mouth about any of this again. Don't you do any more of this again, this preaching, this carrying on. If you do, we're going to fix you. You remember what they said to him? This same crowd now that's been hiding and cowering and over here scared today, shaking it, Lord, don't let them find us, keeping doors locked. 
after Pentecost, they stand in front of that crowd and they said to them when they were threatened, they said, listen, old boys, said, we must obey God rather than man. You do what you got to do, but we found something. <laughs> well, glory. You do what you got to do, boys, but we're going to obey God rather than man because we found something. We found somebody. And he's transforming us. And we're going to be what he wants us to be. And we're going to do what he wants us to do. Now y'all do whatever you got to do. But it ain't changing what we're going to do. Boy, what a difference Pentecost can make. And the next thing you know, you know what the Bible says about them. Next thing, later on in the book of Acts, the Bible says they said to one another, these old boys are turning the world upside down. <laughs> They're turning the world upside down. When's the last time Rockingham County accused the Stoneville Pentecostal Holiness Church of turning the county upside down? When's the last time they accused us of turning the world upside down? Pentecost is the power to be what he wants you to be and it's the power to do what he wants you to do. One more and I'm finished. It's the power to stand. Pentecostal power is the power to stand. How many of you know, if you were here last Sunday, you certainly know it. How many of you know there's a war going on and it's going to increase in intensity? It's going to increase in scope it's going to increase in violence. It's going to increase in everything you can think of. We are in a war for our very lives. We're in a war for the kingdom of God. We're living in the last days. And there's a war going on. And how many of you know, in the midst of all of that, we need the ability to stand. To stand. To take a stand and decide that it doesn't matter what the world does. It doesn't matter what everybody else does. It doesn't matter how dark it looks. It doesn't matter. We need the ability to stand. When all hell is breaking loose against you. When everything is going wrong. When darkness seems to hide his face. We need the ability to stand. <laughs> And say, I am more than a conqueror through him. I am more than a conqueror through him. Pastor, how in the world do I do that? Pentecost. Go to the upper room and tarry until you are endued with power from on high. That's how you do it. You can't do it on your own. You can't, you can't stand against the wiles of the devil. You can't stand against what's coming to this earth on your own. You'll cave in. In fact, Jesus asked the question, didn't he? I think before he left, he said, will I find faith on the earth when I return? It's going to get so bad. Will I even find faith on the earth when I return? Will I even find it? Folks, that ought to sober us up. 
Let me put it this way. Where is he going to find you when he returns? Where is he going to find you when he comes back? What shape are you going to be in when that trumpet sounds? We, we'll get to that tonight. I'm going to preach on the rapture tonight. You need to be here. That's the next step. I preached on all the signs last Sunday. We're going to talk about the getting out of here tonight. You going to be ready? What shape you going to be in when the trumpet sounds? A lot of it will have to do with whether you've been to the upper room or not. Do you have the power to stand against this? Do you have the power to stand? We need the ability. The only thing that's, listen to me, the only thing that's going to give us the ability to stand in these last days in light of everything I preached last Sunday, the only thing that's going to give you the ability to stand is Pentecostal power. Pentecostal power. That like those disciples can look the world in the face and say, do what you got to do, boys. Do what you got to do. But we've got to obey God rather than man. We've got to obey God rather than man. Ezekiel 37, the story of the Valley of Dry Bones. You remember that story? Remember what happened? Remember what happened? God said to the prophet, so took him out of this valley just full of dry bones. I think I've preached to some churches that was full of just valleys of dry bones. And he said to the prophet, Prophet, can these bones live again? <laughs> prophet said, Lord, only thou knowest. Do you remember the first thing that happened? He said to the prophet, prophesy to the wind. What happened on the day of Pentecost? The wind began to blow. <laughs> the wind, the symbol of the Holy, one of the symbols of the Holy Spirit, wind and fire. The wind began to blow. There was a sound of what? Of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. You know what my prayer is? One day we'll walk in here one Sunday morning and a wind begin to blow and us think this building's getting ready to come down on our heads. The wind began to blow. When it did, you know what the Bible says about that valley full of dry? The Bible said they stood up. <laughs> You want the ability to stand in this last day? To stand no matter what the devil throws at you? No matter what the enemy does to discourage you? No matter what the enemy does to derail you? You want the ability to stand? You go to the upper room. And tarry until you're endued with power from on high. It'll give you the ability to stand. It'll give you the ability. Listen to the Apostle Paul. Come on, Rhonda. I'll preach all day if you don't. Come on. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, listen to what he said. He said, we're troubled on every side, but not distressed. You ever feel like you're troubled on every side? You ever feel like everything's against you? Everybody's against you? The world's against you? Paul 
Paul said we're distressed or troubled on every side, but we're not distressed. He said we're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're cast down, but not destroyed. Paul, how can that be? How, how can a man be troubled on every side, perplexed, persecuted, cast down, and yet not distressed, not in despair, not forsaken, not destroyed? I'll tell you how. Because he's got the power to stand. He's been to the upper room. He's found the power to stand. How many of you know you've got this power? You can stand against anything and anybody. When old Goliath comes over the hill, says, I'm going to have you for lunch. You can look back at him and say, dream on, boy. You ain't getting me. You're not getting me. You're not getting me. How do we stand in these days? I'll tell you how. The Bible says we do not look at the things which are seen but we look at the things which are not seen. You know how you overcome? You don't look at the things that are seen. You look at the things that are not seen. That's how you do it. We have a supernatural power available to us Here's what this day is all about, and I'm through. We have a supernatural power that's available to us, a power to help us do what we ought to do, a power to help us be what we ought to be, and a power to help us stand in the midst of it all. In the midst of it all. That's what Pentecostal power, that's what Pentecost Sunday is all about. We've got the power. We've got the power. Would you stand with me, please? I was thinking yesterday, sitting, studying this, and looking back over my notes and praying and I suddenly got my pen in my hand wrote these words down and I'd never closed it out just this way but it was like the Lord spoke to me and he said this is one reason that so many people are falling away and falling along the way like the Holy Spirit said to me, this is the reason so many are falling along the way. They don't have the power to do, to be, and to stand. And that's why they fall away, drift away, give up. Because they've not been to the upper room. They've not been to the upper room. Can I encourage you today? 
you've never had the Pentecostal experience, if you've never prayed through the Pentecost, can I encourage you this morning to purpose in your heart that you're not going to stop seeking Him until He comes, until the Holy Spirit comes. So, preacher, how do I receive Him? Just believe and open your heart and accept Him. I've heard of people getting a baptism in the grocery store. They've been praying, seeking, and suddenly they reach that point. And there's behind a the buggy going down through Winn-Dixie. Suddenly just start speaking in tongues. <laughs> you can receive Him anywhere that you're ready. And that you, because see, it's a, see, I got a half a dozen more sermons I need to preach on Pentecost to give you the whole picture. It's a gift. How do you know if I've got a gift? What have you got? What if I said to you, to this couple here, I got a gift for you all. What do you need to do to receive that gift? Just reach out. I've got it right. So I got a gift for you. To go home with that gift, what do you need to do? Just reach out and take it. Now, there are some prerequisites spiritually. You've got to be saved. You need to have been cleansed and sanctified. But when you reach that point, you want the Holy Ghost? Just reach out and receive it. By faith. He is a gift. He wants you to be full of the Spirit. He wants you to be able to do. He wants you to be. He wants you to stand. Can I encourage you to make up your mind this morning as we close this closing prayer. And by the way, as we pray this prayer, you could receive the Holy Ghost right there where you stand. Right there where you stand. If you just open your heart, you could receive the Holy Ghost right where you stand. You don't have to be in any certain position. You don't have to be in any certain place. You just have to open your heart and believe and receive. Can I encourage you as we pray this prayer? First of all, if you're ready, you can receive him right now. But if there's a couple things that maybe you need to get adjusted, maybe you and him need to talk about a couple things, can I just ask you to purpose in your heart that Lord helping you by next Sunday morning you're going, you're, going to be, you, you're going to visit the upper room somewhere purpose in your heart say to him Lord I want what Pastor Doyle's preaching about this morning I want him I want the Holy Spirit I want this power of Pentecost will you give him to, will you bring him to me will you give him to me Father, in the name of Jesus, we stand before you this morning in this place and I sense the power of the Holy Spirit here. I sense him here in this place. And Lord, I believe you're willing and ready to fill somebody right now with the Holy Ghost and fire. Father, I just ask you to do that right now. <laughs> Lord, if there's somebody that's ready to just reach out and touch you, just ready to reach out, 
I pray that even right now you'd fill them with the whole on their way home. Let them just start speaking in another language and since the Holy Ghost has slipped into that automobile and slipped into their hearts, Lord, I pray that you will fill this congregation with a hunger and a longing and a desire to have and experience this wonderful thing we call Pentecost. Father, speak to us, visit us, Make this church a true Pentecostal church. Lord, I'd love to see the day if you tarry long enough. I'd love to see the day when Rockingham County is just all a buzz. And they're saying, you know, that Stoneville Pentecostal holiness crowd's turning this county upside down. I'd love to see that day. I'd love to see that day. Father, use us, empower us, prepare us, make this a great Sunday. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Remain standing for just a moment. Let me encourage you to be back tonight. As I said, we're going to move right on with the end time series. Tonight we're going to talk about the first great event that's going to move this thing forward events are already happening the signs of the time the eight signs that we gave you last week that Jesus told us told his disciples would to look out for we talked about those last Sunday morning last Sunday night by the way several have asked since we don't live stream Sunday night are the, would the Sunday night messages, if they couldn't be here, be available? Yes, we record. Though we don't live stream every service, we record every service. So the CDs are available. If you were here last Sunday morning, but you didn't make it back Sunday night for some reason, those are available. Some have been asking about them. All you have to do is sign the sheet out there, and Brother Mickey and the staff will get those ready for you. So those are available. But be back tonight. The very next thing... After those signs reach a certain point, and nobody knows when. I told you that last. Nobody knows when. Maybe a week, two weeks, 20 weeks, two years. I don't know. Maybe today. But tonight, I'm going to tell you then the first thing that's going to really kick it off. A trumpet's going to sound. A voice is going to be heard. And something's going to happen that you don't want to miss. So don't miss tonight, okay? Be back here at 6 o'clock. Yes.